Great. Well, it's nice to be here. And it's great to see you, even though it's only through Zoom. Can everyone hear me okay? Give me a thumbs up if you can. Great. I'm here. Thumbs up. Can everyone see the screen okay? Thumbs up again. Great. Okay. So we're in business. And we're thinking tonight about praise. Well, firstly, a question. Do you feel that you have been in prison these last few months? I know some, particularly the older or vulnerable ones, will have been um, feeling that very much. And uh, that's the guidelines or the guidance regarding our, our, our thought tonight and also throughout this weekend that um, uh, Paul, when in prison, praised the Lord. Paul, when in prison, praised the Lord. And that's what we'll be thinking of uh, tonight. So let me just uh, bring that spotlight up again if I can. Uh, uh, there we go. So there we are. OK, so what's the backstory? Well, the backstory of this passage is, in fact, sorry, the backstory of the book of Philippians is, the, is this passage. Did you know that this was the first gospel church in Europe? Uh, since then, there are, of course, thousands of churches. But this is the very first time that the gospel ever went into Europe. Did you notice the earthquake? There was an earthquake. And, of course, the aftershock of the church being born in Philippi in Europe continues to this day. Do you go to church? Well, of course, your church is in some ways is one of those churches that were spread out from this first step of the gospel into our continent. We hear a lot about Europe, don't we, in the news and, of course, still very much in the, in the, in the news. But, of course, uh, we're thinking today about Jesus and his work in, in Europe. I've got four opens. Did you notice them in the scriptures? There's an open way. We're going to think about that. There's an open heart. Did you see the lady with the open heart? There's an open beating. And we're going to think a little bit about that. And then praise the Lord. There's an open prison because no doors can stop the working of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, that's our journey tonight through God's word. So let's think about the uh, those four opens. By the way, one little thought more. Have you felt in prison? I was reading earlier today about Joni Erickson. Do you know the young girl who at 17 dived into a shallow part of the sea where she was, broke her neck in a wheelchair, paraplegic, from 17 years old. And yet from that wheelchair, from that prison of difficult health circumstances, she has reached the world for Jesus, hasn't she? With her testimony, with her radiant uh, praise to him and with her gospel message. God can do great things from those who are in prison. And of course, let's, men let's not fail to mention some of our UBMers go into prison every day, not because they've done anything wrong, but because they want to do things right. We're thinking of Gerard and Philippa, Dave and Colette. We know Nigel, uh, uh, goes in, Nigel Robinson goes in and others as well, John Hawley and others and maybe others I haven't mentioned. We've got UBMers who go into prisons regularly with the word of God. So we're thinking of prisons this weekend. We've all been in one. And of course, uh, we're going to learn how to praise the Lord in the prison. Well, let's think about the open way, shall we? I'm going to share my screen if I can. Let's see if I can do that. And uh, first of all, let me see if I can... Uh, uh, play slideshow. 
Uh, there we go, sorry. Play from the start. Paul in prison, praise the Lord. That's our journey. And there is, for those who don't know, that was Paul's journey. He went out from Antioch. It was his second missionary journey, about 49 to 52 AD. He went to see the churches that he'd found in uh, Derby and Lystra and Iconium. And I thought we, we might refer to them as the Galatians. Um, and he journeyed along and he wanted to go to Mysia. He wanted to turn to the left, but God's spirit said no. And he wanted to go to the right. And it says there, the spirit suffered him not. God wouldn't let him go to those places. He was shut up as it were, and he had to go down to Troy, or Troas. And this is all Greek speaking at this time. Gets the boat over to Neapolis and then goes to the largest main city in the area, which was a Roman colony. Well, for those who know the history, they know that uh, um, uh, Octavius, there was a famous battle there, and Octavius rewarding the, uh, the citizens and the soldiers made this into a Roman colony. So just like going to Rome uh, in some ways and preaching the gospel there. So um, the first point I'd like to notice there is this. Did you notice that word? It says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. God said no. And sometimes, you know, God says no, even to a good thing, because there's a better thing. We see the sovereignty of God here in that. And in the night, there was a vision that appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him. Can I emphasize that word pleaded? This is a man who's lost and he needs the gospel. And that Macedonian call that Paul heard has been the call that many have heard to go into all the world and preach the gospel to others. That's why UBM exists, because we want to take the gospel to those who've never heard. And uh, sometimes we can think of unbelievers as being hard of heart and no time for God. Well, there are such like that. But, you know, there are people out there who just want to know and need to know. And as it were, pleading with us, pleading with us to come and tell them, come over and help us, is not only the cry of the Macedonian, it is the call of Christ. We used to sing that song, uh, oh hear the call of Christ, far above earth's tumult. There's lots of other calls in our time. There's lots of other calls legitimately in our time. Uh, but, you know, we need to heed. There's a call that comes from lost men and lost women that we need to heed. This is the call that Paul heard. And although there was a closed way, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, the Spirit did not suffer them to go to Bithynia, but the door opened. There was an open door in, in, uh, into, uh, into Troas and into, into Macedonia eventually. So we see then three things, God's sovereignty. He's directing the operation. Another name for the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit through uh, men and women, because it was the Holy Spirit that came upon them in Acts chapter 2 that moved them out to preach and to proclaim the Christ who they knew, the Christ who they had died for their sins, and the Christ who had risen again that they had seen that they wanted to proclaim. And, of course, this is Paul. He had himself seen and been commissioned by the risen Christ to go and preach to others. He's fulfilling this commission in this passage. So immediately, I've seen the vision, we sought. 
this is an eyewitness. It's Luke who's writing the gospel, who's, who wrote the gospel, who wrote the book of Acts. Luke and Paul and Silas and Timothy are the team the, uh, that go, that land on the beach in uh, in Neapolis and go up towards um, uh, Philippi. So there's an open way. And that teaches about God's guidance. God guides through shut doors as well as through open doors. These doors are shut. This door opened. Sometimes we don't get what we want. God shuts the door. But a shut door is guidance just as much as an open door. Have you had a shut door in your life? Well, then, you know, God, who's in control of all, he shuts certain doors. That's also his will and his plan because he's going to open other doors. And the final thing, you know, before we leave this part of the text, many people through UBM have heard the Macedonian call and have gone to become missionaries uh, full time uh, in, the, uh, in, in foreign parts. And we've seen missionaries go all over the world, having been called by God uh, during their time of their stint, their teams or whatever on UBM. Let's not forget to pray for them. But I wonder, is there someone here tonight? And God is speaking to you. And may this word, may this word from from God here in, in Acts chapter 16 come to you. That you'd hear the Macedonian call to come and help, to come and take the gospel. There are still millions who've never heard. And we need to heed the call of Christ that comes through this man of Macedonia. Maybe there's someone here tonight and God is calling you to go and serve him in evangelism somewhere. So they sailed from Troas, Troy, and they ran a straight course to Samothrace, and they come to Philippi, the colony, that's what it says, and they were in the city for a few days. Next, let's view the open heart. We've come off the beach, and we've gone up the road to Philippi, and on the Sabbath day, so that would be the seventh day, that would be the Saturday, Paul's plan was always to go to find Jewish people. Well, there isn't a synagogue, but there is a prayer meeting. There's a ladies' prayer meeting down by the riverside, and so Paul goes there. And we read of Lydia. Here's a merchant. She's from uh, uh, she's from Lydia in Asia Minor, and uh, she imports dye to make purple cloth. Purple, of course, a very important cloth for the Romans. She's a seller of purple, uh, purple cloth. She comes from Thyatira. There's going to be a church there as well. Who knows whether she was instrumental in founding that church. And she's a worshipper. She's a religious lady. She comes to pray. She observes the Sabbath. She believes in God. But she's not a Christian. And, you know, there are people who observe the Sabbath day. There are, there are people who are religious in every way. And yet and they worship the true God. But they are not believers. And she needs two things. She needs the word of God to be preached to her. And Paul does that. And she needs the spirit of God to operate on that word and bring her to himself. And so as she heard the word through Paul, the apostle, the Lord opens her heart. Isn't that a great phrase? Isn't that what we want to see? God's word and God's spirit working together to bring about new birth if you read in genesis chapter one very quickly on the verse second verse we're introduced to god's spirit who moved on the dark face of the waters and in verse three we're introduced to god's word through whom would through whom came light 
And of course, God does his work through his word and through his spirit. There's a picture of the triune God, God the Father doing his work through the right hand of his son and, as it were, the other hand of his spirit, the triune God working. And here he's working for Lydia's salvation. She not only has an open heart, she has an open home. Praise the Lord for open homes when she was baptized and a household. So she's probably servants were and they follow the the rule of the example of their mistress. And so there's a household here baptized and she offers it to Paul and his team to come and stay. So the open heart led to the open home. Praise the Lord uh, for that. And uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, As they go to prayer. So this might be a week later. Here we've got a complete contrast to wealthy Lydia is a poor slave girl. We don't know her name, but we do know her terrible circumstances, possessed with a spirit of divination, spirit of python in the Greek there, uh, some evil spirit, and she was uh, being used and exploited for occult purposes, uh, telling the future. Her masters made much profit by her fortune-telling, used, abused, exploited, Can you imagine the sort of life that this young girl, who is the possession of wicked men, uh, had to endure? The girl follows Paul. Is there something in her, not as it were the demon, but in her, that knows that this is the way she's going to be released? She cries out and she is good publicity for the gospel. But it is, in fact, something that Paul realizes is not right with her. She's she's possessed by the spirit and he he commands in the name of Jesus, that evil spirit to come out of her. And the same hour, the spirit is gone. And isn't that uh, what we see here? That here you've got the uh, um, many days she's following many days. she's, she's, She's possessed by this devil. And Paul, in the name of Jesus, is able to command the evil spirit to come out of her. I'd like to note three things here. Don't you see the sinfulness of man in the wicked uh, men here who exploited this young girl for their own uh, monetary ends? Don't you see the power of Jesus Christ spoken in his name? The demons have to flee. And don't you see the persecution that follows the gospel servants? Their masters dragged off Paul and Silas, ambushed and dragged to the authorities, brought to the magistrates, falsely accused. And uh, the multitude whipped up, their clothes are torn off their backs, and there's a judicial beating with the rod. Terrible shock. Pain, suffering, blood. Who knows what they felt as this was being done to them. See the anger of Satan. His goods have been spoiled and and he's coming back to attack. I'd like to draw your attention to that verse there in verse 23. They laid many stripes on them. They were beaten again and again and again. And then they were dragged off 
and thrown into prison. The jailer also, a rough, tough Roman ex-centurion probably, is commanded to keep them securely. He puts them in the inside prison. Was it lower than the rest? Or was it just some sort of inner citadel? And puts their feet into the stocks. I want you just to enter into the pain of those verses. Uh, I don't, I, we used to have stocks on UBM. I've been in the stocks on UBM many times. <laughs> that was just for fun. This is for real. And they're uh, left there. Do you imagine there was much food or drink? Or if it would be of any quality? Certainly not. Would there be any light in that prison? Would there be rats running around? Uh, think of the situation. This is not like HMRC Belmarsh. Uh, that's bad enough. This is a first century Roman jail. Bleeding, tired, thirsty, in pain, and they don't know what's going to happen next. It's the open beating, persecution that follows the preaching. Well, praise the Lord, it doesn't end there. In contrast to all that they've suffered, this is what they did. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And isn't that just great? And the prisoners listening to them. Now, uh, you know, at midnight there, it's, it's the darkest part of the night, as it were. And Paul and Silas, they can't sleep. They're in pain. But one of them has the idea to strike up with a psalm. Was it Psalm 46? Was it Psalm 130? You can check these out later. A psalm that speaks of suffering out of the depths, Lord, I've cried to you. And they're singing to God and the prisoners listening to God being praised by these two uh, people. Three weeks ago, my sister died this very night. And uh, though we'd been expecting it for a while, it's still a shock uh, when it came. Two and a half years ago, she went blind with a brain tumour. And she said these words um, at her birthday last year. She said, we, when we heard that, when I heard we were going blind, I was going blind, she said, I, I thought I can either be blind and miserable or blind and happy. And I chose to be blind and happy. I thought that was a good example. And uh, all, all the time of her difficulties there as a blind person, late, old in, old in years, 73, when she went blind, um, not able to learn things as quickly as younger people. Lots and lots of problems, but I never found a complaint about that situation. And here's Paul and Silas uh, praying and singing hymns to God. They had a lot to complain about, didn't they? But they chose to praise God and rejoice. Do you know, Paul's going to write to the Philippians in a few years time and he's going to tell them rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice and you know that is a command to every Christian we are to rejoice in the Lord whatever the circumstances whatever the difficulties rejoice is God's word uh, to us um, let's be those who show the joy which is a fruit of God's spirit inside us well God answers suddenly there's a great earthquake the foundations of the prison were shaken. All the doors are opened. Here's the open prison and everybody's chains are loosed. Now, 
Earthquakes are not miraculous. There's one every day somewhere in the world. But what is miraculous is God's timing. This is an earthquake just at the right time, affecting just the right place, just the right prison, but not so great as it uh, flattens the place and causes death. It's just the right magnitude to open the doors and, uh, and allow the prison warder to see all of this and to be converted. Isn't God great in what he can do? Well, the jailer there is very exciting. He takes his sword out. He's about to kill himself. But Paul calls out with a loud voice, do yourself no harm. We are all here. And the man calls for a light, runs in. He's heard the singing. He knows why they're in jail. It's on the charge of preaching. He maybe has heard it himself. And he knows under conviction by the same spirit that opened Lydia's heart. He knows he needs to be saved. And that wonderful question says, what must I do to be saved? What answer does Paul give? It's not long. It's not complicated. It's not going to pilgrimage. It's not go to Mecca. It's not go to this church, that church or the other church. It is simply to go to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe upon him. How simple is the gospel? The Lord Jesus Christ, he is God and he is man. And he is saviour. Believe on him who died for sinners on the cross and rose again the third day. And you will be saved. No doubts there. Not you might be. Not it may be okay. But you will be saved through simple believing, justifying faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does. And he, Paul speaks the word of the Lord to him and to all who are in his house. Uh, children, wife, and the same hour, the whole household believe, and uh, they, him and his family, immediately, he says, were baptized. He brought them into his house, put food before them, food and drink, and he's looking after them, washing their wounds, and they're now in a better place. And there's joy as he believes in God with all his household. Three things about this little story tonight God saves all types of people there's the wealthy merchant woman Lydia the professional seller of purple upper class we might say there's the slave girl lowest of the low the property of wicked and unbelieving men uh, the lowest of the, the, the high class the low class and the jailer in between he saves men he saves women he saves religious he saves pagans he saves boys and he saves girls isn't that great three wonderful conversions uh, that have happened in this town of philippi since jesus came there because of course he goes everywhere with his servants as they preach the world that that preach the word that's the difference jesus makes in any town and situation and, you know, when we go on the beaches and take the gospel, wasn't it great to hear Linda's testimony, how that in the town of Lyme Regis, where she lived, Jesus came in the gospel and she was saved. God saves all sorts of people. God saves through his word. Lydia was saved by exposition. The slave girl by exorcism. 
and the jailer by exhortation. And of course, in all cases, God's word is preached and God's spirit is at work. The spirit upon the word. Any preachers listening to me, you do need both. We need to have the word and we need to have the spirit and we need to watch God work when his word and his spirit come together. God saves all sorts of people. God saves through his word and God saves people and puts them in churches. Can you see that when Paul and Timothy, uh, Paul and Silas leave the next day, they leave and Timothy goes with them. They leave Luke behind and there's uh, the jailer and his family, who knows how many, four, five, six people, maybe. There's Lydia and her household, who knows how many, another five or six people, maybe, and the slave girl. There's a church because God never just puts people, the lone Christian. He puts us in the church. And that's a pattern we see all the way through the book of Acts and all the way through the New Testament. The first church in mainland Europe, the first of thousands. Are you a member of a church tonight? Even more importantly, are you saved? Have you come to a point where you've said, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is still the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. If you're saved, are you baptized? In all three cases, Lydia, the slave girl, and the Philippian jailer and his family were baptized. Are you a Christian and not baptized? This passage urges us, doesn't it, to obey the Lord, believe and be baptized. We believe and we're saved first. Being baptized doesn't make us saved, but being baptized does make us obedient to the Lord's commands. Paul praised God in prison. Let me give you three reasons. Um, there's our three lessons there. God saves all sorts. He saves through his word and his spirit and he puts, saves people and he puts them into churches. Let me give you three reasons why Paul saved, why Paul praised God in the prison. The first one, do you know, as Paul lay in that prison, bleeding, in pain, tired out, hungry, thirsty, uh, clothes gone, he knew nevertheless that God was in control. Uh, he knew that God was in control. Whatever circumstances you were in, you can know as a Christian, as one who's committed your life to the Lord, that the Lord is in control. Paul knew that God was with him. How did he know that? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all things. And go into all the world, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Paul knew that Jesus was with him in that beating and in that cell, in the good times and in the bad times. He knew how to be abased. He knew how to abound. He knew that God was with him. It's great to know that the Lord is with us. We can know that when we trust him as our savior. How did Paul praise God in prison? Well, he knew God was in control. He knew that God was with him. But he also knew this because he wrote it down to another church. All things, not some things, all things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Paul knew that he loved the Lord. He knew, therefore, that all things, even this difficult prison experience, was working together for good. 
Are you in a prison? I don't mean a prison literally with bars and locks on the door. But are you in a difficult family situation perhaps? A difficult job situation, uncertainties there. Difficult personal circumstances of health or other ways. Then you can know these three things too. You can know that if you're a Christian, God is in control. If you're a Christian, God is with you. And if you're a Christian, all things work together for good to those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. And if you're not a Christian, then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I'm thanking uh, our team now for, for the putting on the program tonight and handing back over to Peter.